Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm really excited to have fellow staff member Trisha Rodriguez, our Director of Public Policy and Government here at IMHIP, back on to talk about behavioral health legislation that IMHIP supported to improve access to critical services and care. Ah, Trisha, welcome back. Thank you, Samantha. It's great to be back on and to be able to talk about what I think is a critical topic at this time. Absolutely. And it's so timely. We're focusing on behavioral health this quarter. It is one of the healthcare pillars for the Medicaid program. But beyond that, it's timely because I think we in Illinois, um, you know, given all that's going on and continues to go on, you know, we, we're just facing a, a period of collective trauma. And we've done this throughout the pandemic and social unrest and gun violence across our country. And, um, you know, just a few weeks ago here in Illinois, just, um, just north of where we are, we, where we are today. And so this is a tough topic. It's an absolutely, um, heartbreaking topic, but it's something we want to talk about. It's something we want to shed light on the legislation that I'm hip helped passed and, and worked again with leader Greenwood, just an amazing champion of the Medicaid program. Um, to improve access to vital behavioral health services for Medicaid members. And I also want to flag here because I think as we talk about it, and especially as we recently talked about, I just talked about gun violence in Highland Park and across the city of Chicago, across our state, it's really important to note that there's also often this sort of conflation that behavioral health care and addressing mental illness is um, the solution. And it really further stigmatizes mental illness and at times can delay folks from getting access. And what's important to note is statistic after statistics show that individuals with mental illness are far more likely to be victims of violent crimes than to perpetuate them. So we're going to talk about behavioral health because it really matters for the victims and for um living in this collective traumatic environment, but I also want to make sure that our conversation doesn't further stigmatize behavioral health care because, again, individuals with mental illness are far more likely to be victims of violent crime than to perpetuate it. And so now that I've got that out of the way, can you talk about the legislation that we, you know, championed with Leader Greenwood and sort of what brought it about? First, I just want to say the past few years have been so tough for everyone across the globe. The pandemic has had a devastating impact, both in terms of a massive loss of life, isolation from the people that we love and care about. And for many people during the pandemic, um, it kind of forced them into living situations that can actually exacerbate mental health issues. Uh, And then, of course, The pandemic has led to an increased um, amount of violence across the country, which, of course, that was always there. But it's even more tragic, and it makes my heart break that um, the violence has now hit so close to home in Illinois. 
Obviously, there is a huge need to do more to address some of these systemic issues. Uh, and I think I'm hip and the plans can be an important part of the solution because of these barriers. And that's on top of all of the specific barriers for the Medicaid population. I'm grateful that I'm hip, you know, in partnership with the Greenwood and Senator Morrison was able to tackle um, the issue of behavioral health in a very comprehensive way this past session. And what I am most excited about in terms of our initiatives is that now the state will be adding Medicaid coverage for peer recovery support services. Uh, peer recovery supports are individuals who have lived experience, in this case with a substance use disorder, and these supports really help the member navigate the process of treatment and recovery. These peer recovery supports have been shown to have a drastic effect on the quality of life and adherence to treatment. And I'm really thrilled that the Medicaid members are going to have this new resource so that they're not navigating the healthcare system alone. And they can also talk to somebody who has been in their shoes. Additionally, we worked to expand academic detailing for providers who care for patients with serious mental illness. Obviously, there is a huge need with this population and expanding this academic detailing will allow um, primary care providers and other more general providers to get support from a specialist to care for those patients. I find this really critical because there is such a shortage um, of all kinds of specialists across the state, especially for behavioral health. And again, this is a population that needs a huge amount of support. Uh, and then finally, um, we did some work to assist members and providers with locating detox services. Um, there actually already is a service available through DHS. It's called the Illinois Helpline, um, if you're not familiar with it. And currently it tracks all kinds of um, availability for substance use treatment, but right now it does not track availability of detox beds. Um, I think this is really critical because one, there's a lot of administrative burden for providers if you're spending hours calling um, for availability every day. And then it's also important for the Medicaid members. Um, so again, they're not navigating the healthcare system alone and they have extra support. Obviously, um, this doesn't completely fix all of the systemic issues that we're facing, but I think these policy solutions are a step in the right direction. And a special thanks again to Senator Morrison and Leader Greenwood for really pushing this to the finish line. And I'm really excited to kind of see these programs come together. And thank you, Trisha, for calling out again, Senator Morrison, Leader Greenwood for not only for this legislation, but really championing the issue consistently and on a regular basis and wanting to improve the Medicaid program, you know, and why we here at I'm Hip and with Senator Morrison and Leader Greenwood focused on behavioral health is Medicaid's the largest payer. Um, in the state for behavioral health services. And so the work that the Medicaid program does impacts the entire system. And if the Medicaid program um, doesn't have a robust behavioral health care system, it impacts even those who aren't on behavior, you know, who aren't on Medicaid, who have behavioral health care needs. But also we took a look at the at the impact of the pandemic. And, you know, you're seeing study after study show that um, addiction 
has been exacerbated. And again, isolation um, and closure of facilities and treatment, you know, further compounded the challenges there. And so peer support for recovery is a proven method. It is somebody with lived experience to help members, to help patients sort of navigate that very challenging time of addressing addiction and is really, you know, just evidence-based. And so bringing that in as a coverage benefit for Medicaid members to receive that care for providers to be able to add that toolbox or add that tool to their toolbox, it's just critical. Um, And then again, you know, just simplifying administrative items and just building upon tools that already exist. What I found fascinating about this on, you know, with this legislation is you and I were talking about, oh, we really need a website where anybody can go and find behavioral health care needs really quickly. Because when, especially when we're talking about addiction, when somebody is ready to enter treatment, you need no delay because any added time delays potentially entering treatment. So you want it to be as quick as possible. And you and I, who are policy wonks, who are steeped in this, this is our day job and our passion, didn't know about the Illinois Helpline and the website. And we talked to HFS and they didn't know fully about how robust it already was. Again, just because they're is so much going on in this space. And with the pandemic, everybody's going in a million different directions. And so to really amplify the great work that THS has done on this website and the and the resources there, and to just build upon it, just add another layer, add detox so that it's more robust, more comprehensive, um, is just really great. So if you're a provider or if you're a family member or even a care coordinator and you haven't used the Illinois um, Helpline website, highly encourage you to just take a look at it. We'll put a link to it in this podcast description, but it's an incredible resource for identifying and locating behavioral health services, both mental health and substance use disorder. I agree. And I think expanding upon the helpline will just help us get more information about it out there so that if there's anyone who, anyone else who wasn't aware of its existence, um, they know now and they can use it to access services. And I also wanted to say, you know, beyond our legislation, I think this past session um, focused hugely on behavioral health. There were a number of additional investments within the Medicaid omnibus, including um, investing in mental health checks for schools. I think that's even more relevant now, um, given the context of um, the tragedy in Highland Park. Children today, I think, are facing an overwhelming amount of trauma, being separated from their friends and the classroom for many years, and then obviously processing the violence that is happening across the country. So I am very hopeful for that new program. I don't think it could have come at a better time, and um, I'm just really excited to see that come together. And I think we will definitely need a podcast dedicated to that program because it is amazing. It is something that school children in Illinois will absolutely benefit from. I know we already plan on diving deeper into all the other behavioral health investments, but that program in particular is just so needed, like you said, Tricia. Um, And so we've made a ton of investment in Illinois. Illinois continues to lead on this, but I don't think we're done yet. I think, you know, you and I, and we've spoken with HFS already about sort of some of the other areas 
um, where we can take a look and see, you know, what are we doing around crisis response and children's behavioral health? Because again, as you've said, our kids are just living in such challenging times. And we're learning more and understanding more. And the better equipped we are to help children, um, the better our society as a whole will be. And then also, we're not done here at IMIT. We have taken a look at, you know, what can we do sort of in, in a crisis perspective and, and a quick response as health plans. But it's also really forced an important conversation about what are we collectively doing as an industry for continuous trauma, for Medicaid members, for communities, and what can we do? What is our role in the system to make it better? We know that we alone are not going to be the answer. We're not, we don't have, um, you know, just a, a magic wand to make it all better, but we can't sit back and say someone else has got to fix it. We can do our small part, an important part to make it better. And so we're exploring ways that we can help communities, both when there's disasters and, and potentially mass shootings that we hope don't occur, but also what can we do in instances of collective and continuous trauma? How can we help build more resilient communities? And what is our role in that? And we do think there's some, some, a role that we can play. And so we're exploring that as an association as, and as an industry as well. Yes, I think the plans are perfectly suited for that kind of work. People don't always realize this, but the Medicaid health plans are in the community every day. The care coordinators are caring for members in the community every day. And so while it might not seem like it to other groups, the Medicaid health plans have a very good understanding and pulse um, on what the needs of the Medicaid population are. And so we're excited. Obviously, there's a lot of work left to be done, um, but the plans are very excited to be a part of that work. The General Assembly kind of talking about behavioral health in the community, there were also some huge investments in community behavioral health and also behavioral health in underserved communities. I'm especially happy to see some of that funding go towards these underserved communities because there are a lot of um, social factors, social determinants of health that are at play that I think contribute and exacerbate mental health conditions, such as not having enough food, not having access to stable housing or employment. Um, and obviously those can have a devastating impact in terms of an individual's mental health um, and the, um, the start of, of any addiction issues. And I just think having those providers in the community who understand the community is really critical to kind of get to the center of those issues and start to improve people's lives. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we talk about social determinants of health at the root of what they do, you know, at the root of living in a food desert, living in an area where there's not enough transportation and under investment, is it, it's stress and it's compounded stress and potentially trauma. And it just makes the experience and the quality of life for folks in those communities so much more difficult. And if you just think about it from, you know, and I'll think about it from my situation of, of privilege and our situation of privileges, when you're really stressed, when you are, you know, when things have gone wrong in your day or, and you're, you know, you're, I don't know, you got a flat tire or your train was late or, you know, you know, 
that you're not always thinking clearly that like, you know, that everything feels just a little bit harder, a little bit heavier. And that is like, you know, just a tiny little fraction of what our neighbors and communities that have been underinvested in and are underserved, you know, that is a thousand times, but you, we can all relate to what it's like to try to navigate life when not, when in incredibly stressful and, and trying times, and then think the public services that aren't there and what can we do to make sure they are. And one step of that in the Medicaid program and in this bill is making sure there are behavioral health care services in those communities, because often um, there aren't or there aren't enough. Agreed. And when you're kind of in that survival mode, like you said, it's so difficult to think of anything else. And I'm really grateful to the plans for also doing a lot of work in the social determinants of health space, making sure that people have these basic needs. So you can kind of start to plan ahead and address some of these underlying issues um, and not just be thinking about how to get through another day. You say it all the time on the physical health side, hierarchy of needs, but it's the same on mental health side. If you don't have a house um, or a place to, to sleep at night, if you don't have food to eat, you are not thinking, you know, should I go see a counselor or, you know, am I taking my, um, all of my medications? Like you're just, it's not, you're worried about other things. And it's the same on the physical health side as it is on the, the mental health and behavioral health side. And there's so much work to do. And I'm so glad Trisha that you joined us today to sort of walk our listeners through the work that's being done and that you're with us already thinking, and what can we do next? Yes, there is a lot of work to be done, and I'm happy that I'm hip can be just a small piece of that. I have loved this conversation, and as always, thank you so much for having me on, Samantha. Oh, thank you, Trisha, for joining us. Thank you, Trisha, for all the work you've done during this legislative session to bring this across the finish line. And thank you, you know, for just being on team. I'm hip. We're so lucky to have you. To learn more about what IMIP is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website, imhip.net. And of course, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam says, as always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.